All the Young Dudes, a Harry Potter fan fiction written by Ms. King Bean 89. Before we begin, please help this channel grow by liking this video and dropping a comment letting me know your thoughts on this chapter below. If you'd like to support my work in a monetary way, consider checking out my Patreon. There, you can get early access to my content, listen to books that I can't post here, or even suggest a book for me to read next. The link is down below in the description. Thanks, and happy listening. Chapter 35. Second Year. What's in a Name? Monday, the 19th of March, 1973. I have a spot of good news, Madam Pumphrey smiled warmly. I didn't want to mention it in case we couldn't sort things out in time, but you'll be seeing me over the summer. For a moment, Remus dared hope that this meant he was not going back to St. Edmund's, but the Mediwitch continued, Mrs. Orwell, your matron at the children's home has kindly permitted me to apparate onto the grounds at dawn following both full moons this summer. She smiled widely. Ah, well, it was better than nothing. He smiled back weakly. Great, he croaked. His arms and legs felt heavy as lead. He could barely raise his head to drink the potion she was offering him. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon, and Remus had missed his lessons. He'd been asleep most of the day. Sleep was still the only remedy that seemed to really work. I told Dumbledore I would do it with or without his permission. I couldn't live with myself if you arrived here in September in the same state you did last year. I could stay at a wizard's house this summer. That would be even safer. Remus tried. My friend James. I'm sorry, dear. Madame Pumphrey shook her head. It's just not safe enough. The Potters did get in touch, but we need to preserve your anonymity for as long as we can. I know it isn't much fun for you, but it's better you stay with muggles. Remus closed his eyes and took a deep breath. It would only be two months, and the summer was still ages away. Stay positive. Stay positive. A sudden clattering noise at the end of the ward jerked Remus out of his meditative chant. Madame Pumphrey frowned and turned to look around Remus's bed curtain. Mr. Pettigrew, she shouted, what do you think you are doing? Sorry, Madame Pumphrey, we were just... Pick those bedpans up right now and put them back in the cupboard, and you can wipe that smirk off your face, Mr. Black. Give him a hand. Hiya, Remu. James peeked around the curtain. Sorry about all the noise. Remus grinned, trying to sit up. So okay. Lie down, Madame Pumphrey chastised. You've had three broken bones, you silly boy. I'm feeling much better. Crash. Mr. Pettigrew, what did I say? Madame Pumphrey disappeared, looking very cross. James slumped into the chair beside Remus's bed. Ready to go? He asked casually. Remus could always count on James not to treat him like an invalid. If she'll let me. Remus nodded to the curtain Pumphrey had vanished behind. How was the match? Smashed it, James nodded enthusiastically, dropping the snitch into Remus's lap. He ran his fingers through his hair as if to regain that feeling of having just touched down. Made one of the Ravenclaw beaters cry. How nice. How was, you know, your night? Fine, Remus replied dryly, twisting his mouth. They didn't often talk about the full moons and Remus was pretty glad about that. He didn't like the idea of them knowing too much. Pain was a personal thing. Three broken bones, did she say? Yeah, all fixed now, though. She's amazing. Only takes one spell. Muggles have to wear plaster casts for weeks and weeks. Weird. Remu. Sirius whipped back the curtain. 
You're alive! He fell dramatically at the foot of the bed. I was convinced she was trying to cover something up. The old bat wouldn't let us come over. Don't call her that, Remus replied irritably. And don't call me that! But you wanted a nickname, Sirius said, sounding affronted as he climbed back to his feet. Peter appeared, looking sullen with his hands in his pockets. No, I didn't. Remus frowned. When did I ever say that? Last year, Sirius said quickly. Almost exactly a year ago, you said you wouldn't mind being called anything as long as it wasn't Looney Lupin. God, you've got a memory like an elephant. Remus rolled his eyes. Anyway, he lowered his voice in case Madame Pumphrey was lurking nearby. The whole point of having a nickname was so no one knew who wrote the map. I don't think Remu is going to fool anyone. He's got a point there, James said wisely. As much fun as it's been. Fair enough, Sirius heaved a sigh. But can we call you Remu until we come up with something better? No. Boring. Sirius cast around for something else to say, conspicuously avoiding looking at Remus's bandages. So are we getting out of here or shall I settle down for a rousing game of snap? He's not going anywhere, Madame Pumphrey bustled in. I'm keeping Mr. Lupin in for observation overnight. No, Remus protested. I'm feeling much better. He always said that. It wasn't usually true, but he knew he would start to feel better eventually, and it didn't much matter whether he was in the hospital wing or not. I'm not being deliberately unkind, Remus, the nurse sighed. This is for your health. I'll go straight to bed. We'll look after him, James said earnestly, standing up. Remus waited to see if that worked. James was good with grown-ups, especially witches. He'd even been known to soften McGonagall once or twice, though that might have been more to do with his Quidditch skills. Madame Pumphrey was unmoved. I'm sorry, Mr. Potter, but no. Fine, Peter said uncharacteristically firmly. We'll stay here then. Yeah, Sirius and James said as one. You'll miss dinner, Remus said. I'm sure we can arrange something just this once. Madame Pumphrey said, trying not to smile. All right, boys, but you're to keep quiet and get on with your homework. I'll not have you using Mr. Lupin here as an excuse for not handing anything in. With a wave of her wand, three more chairs appeared out of thin air, along with a long pinewood desk, complete with inkwells for their quills. Remus opened his mouth to speak, but Madame Pumphrey was apparently psychic. And no, Remus, no homework for you. Just rest. Remus shut his mouth and lay back down. How was he supposed to keep ahead of Sirius and James if the woman wouldn't let him study? Can I read my book? He asked meekly. As long as it doesn't strain your eyes. She left, and the other three boys dutifully pulled out their homework and began scribbling. Remus craned his neck to try and see what they were working on. He was all up to date with his, but had been doing some extra reading and charms in an attempt to defeat Lily in their upcoming exams. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh. James covered his work with his sleeve. No looking, Remu, you just rest. Ugh, call me loony, Remus groaned. Anything but Remu. But it suits you, Sirius said over his quill. Remu. Stop it or I'll bite you. Remu. Remu. Peter joined in, all three boys giggling hysterically but trying not to be heard. I hate my name. Remus covered his face with the book he was reading. It wasn't fair. James Potter was so reassuringly ordinary. Peter Pettigrew was perfectly respectable, and Sirius Bloody Black was the coolest name ever, whichever way you looked at it. You might as well call me anything you like. I don't know what could be worse. 
Looney Rimu, James suggested helpfully. Ramuni? Sirius could hardly breathe from laughing now. Ramuni, he snorted, collapsing onto his desk, shoulders shaking. Mooney is actually quite good, Peter suddenly said very soberly. Eh? Mooney, as a nickname. Remus stared at him, unaccustomed to paying very much attention to anything Peter said. He thought about it, rolling the name around in his head. It sounded like Looney, but it was nowhere near as horrible. I don't hate it, he said finally. I love it, James said. Mooney, suits you. Won't people, you know, catch on? He worried, chewing his lip. Nah, Sirius waved a hand. We'll tell them it's after that muggle in the who. They're all muggles in the who, Remus replied. But I don't play the drums. You like hitting things, Sirius shrugged. Thanks. No problem, Ramuni. Some hours later, after Madame Pumphrey had brought them all dinner, James had left for Quidditch practice and Peter for a detention. Sirius had given up on his homework long ago and was instead attempting to perfect a tentacle arms jinx on himself. Remus was stalwartly ignoring this behavior. He knew that Sirius was pronouncing the incantation all wrong, with the emphasis in the wrong place. But he wasn't going to tell him, because he wasn't sure exactly why Sirius wanted a tentacle arm so badly, and it couldn't be for any good reason. Eventually, bored, Sirius leaned back on his chair, feet propped up on Remus's bed. What you reading anyway? The Epic of Gilgamesh, Remus supplied, turning the page. He was nearly at the end, and his reading spell was waning. If Sirius would just leave him alone for five more minutes. What's it about? It's yours, he said, surprised. I got it off your shelf. Oh, one of the muggle ones? I haven't read many of them, to be honest. They were my Uncle Alphard's. Right. So? So what, Black? What's it about? A man called Gilgamesh. Okay, you have to agree that's a worse name than Remus Lupin. Remus chuckled. Yeah, all right. It could always be worse. So tell me about this goulash bloke. Gilgamesh. He was a king. A long time ago. See, now I'm hooked. That's how all good stories start. Sirius cupped his head in his hands, staring at Remus as if he was a professor teaching Sirius's favorite subject. No, you're just putting off your astrology essay. I'll copy James's. Sirius waved a casual hand. Tell me more, O oh keeper of knowledge. I've read to you plenty of times. Remus sighed, putting down the book. There was no getting out of it when Sirius was in this sort of a mood. Gilgamesh was a king. Yes, a long time ago, you've established that. Look, shut up or piss off. Okay, okay. Sirius held up his hands in surrender. Carry on. So he was a king, but not a good one. He wasn't fully human, he was two-thirds god, so he was stronger than everyone else and his people were frightened of him. He was dangerous, so his people prayed, um, that's when you ask the gods for help, and the gods sent another man to help control Gilgamesh. Was he even stronger? No, but he was part animal. So this beast man killed Gilgamesh? No, they fought each other for a really long time, but Gilgamesh still won. He didn't kill Enkidu, though, he... He sort of recognized that they were equals, and they become friends, best friends. They have all these adventures together, fighting other monsters and stuff. It's cool. I want to know more about the Beast Man. Enkidu. He was master of the animals, and he was happy living in the wild. But then after he's sent to control Gilgamesh, he can't ever go back to nature. 
so he never really belongs. But he had his friend, right? Yeah, but, well, I don't want to spoil the ending for you. It's okay, I hardly ever read muggle stuff. You're missing so much, Remus exclaimed. Well, okay then, Enkidu dies. What? Yeah, it's sort of sad, he was my favorite character too. But why? To teach Gilgamesh about death, I think. Before Enkidu, he was too arrogant to believe anything could hurt him. But after he loses him, he realizes that he's not the master of everything. No one can control death. That's a really depressing thought, Mooney. Remus shrugged. It had all seemed pretty straightforward to him.